and welcome to The Family Business. I'm your host, Shannon. And I'm Donna. And I'm Z. And tonight we are going to be discussing episode 13 entitled Route 666 or Route 666, however you want to say it. And in this episode, it's a killer truck episode. We get to learn a lot of things about Dean and a lot of things about how things used to be in America. We're going to try to not be too political with tonight's discussion, (laughs) but obviously the episode presents the information, so we absolutely have to cover it. Z, anything on the lore that you want to share with us tonight? Nothing that we haven't already gone over. It was a typical spirit. We saw some more of the spirit embedded in an object, kind of the way that we did with the hook man and his hook and Bloody Mary in the mirror. One thing that I found interesting with this episode is the fact that it does hit on race relations really heavily. It is part of the main theme of the episode. I think that it was really interesting, primarily with Cassie and the sheriff, before she learns all that she learns from her mother. Or not the sheriff, excuse me, the mayor. I think I said the sheriff. Yeah. Okay, sorry. (laughs) Sorry, the mayor, I I really did watch the episode, I promise. The mayor, he seems in the beginning like he's trying to put her off, that he is not concerned about it, that he really doesn't care. And of course, Cassie, I think understandably, takes the tack, well, you don't care that black people are dying. Because, I mean, honestly, that's the only people who were being targeted. Mm -hmm. So it really kind of did look that way. I'm going to say, I just want to share what my first thought was, and then I will get on that. When that truck came out and smashed into the car, my Mm -hmm. first thought was, baby, no! (laughs) I was really surprised, actually, at how well this episode handled the racial stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I think it really did it thoughtfully. Which is a little bit surprising for Supernatural, which is not always known for its thoughtfulness. But yeah, like when Cassie confronts the mayor and he says, you're calling me a racist. His response was not the, I'm not a racist. It was just a very frank, you're calling me a racist. Talk to your mom. Yeah. There was none of this, I've got black friends and mm-hmm. none of that. Just, right. you're wrong, go ask your mom. The conversation when Sam and Dean went and talked to the two guys at the dock, one of them was black and one Mm -hmm. of them was white, and the white guy was just like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. And the black guy, as soon as they mentioned the truck, you could just see his face change. Yeah. And I really liked that conversation because even though the white guy was not actually happy with everything being said, he sat there. And when the conversation was over, he was still playing checkers with his black friend. So Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a lot of nice stuff in this. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <clears throat> Agreed. Z, anything that you want to add to that? I think I just said that like perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> With what you were talking about, Z, with the lore and everything, I think this is one of the first episodes, if not the first episode, where an object and the spirit are ultimately linked. I mean, obviously with Hookman, we had the cross, we had, Mm -hmm. you know, his gauntlet and everything, but they, well, I guess it does go again, because they did salt and burn the body first, and then they realized that they had the cross, But with this one, Sam didn't actually burn the truck down Mm -hmm. or try to destroy it in any way. He actually figured out a way to destroy the ghost aspect of the truck. Can we talk about that for just a second? Donna's sighing. Go exactly seven-tenths of a mile based on your analog odometer in your car? I mean... (laughs) 
exactly seven tenths of a mile. <laughs> <sighs> okay, sorry, that was a little frustrating. Well, I will say the fact that Dean obviously keeps baby well maintained, mm -hmm. and I'm sure that the odometer would be one of those that he does <laughs> keep maintained. So you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. and and I even if it is kind of cheating, you know, I mean, he did he did realize that he was, or he did pull up. Should I say he pulled up to where he was in between those two posts? Yes. So obviously there there was something there, and he knew that there was something there, and he trusts Sam. And speaking of trusting Sam, I have got to, in my own head canon, assume Sam was jerking him around with the, I thought it would work. Probably. Yeah. It never occurred to me what would happen if it didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that I, I think that they rib each other so much. And usually Sam tries to pull the, the straight man act. Whereas Dean is usually the goofier one mm -hmm. and everything. So, yeah, I can see that. I actually don't think that Sam was trying to put Dean at unnecessary risk to life and limb. I really like this episode because of that. Throughout the whole thing, Sam is kind of teasing Dean a little bit. You right. You don't see that a whole lot. Uh, right. But one of my favorite lines was after Dean and Cassie spend the night together, and then Sam sees Dean and he's like, so where were you last night? Uh, you, didn't, you didn't make it back to the hotel. Yeah. I just thought that was, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it shows, too, the, the brotherly connection that they have and giving mm -hmm. each other a hard time about things like that because, I mean, that's the type of thing that brothers give each other hell about, so... And this, I feel like this was a really great relief as far as the strain on our relationship because so far in the last few episodes, it's been really strained, mm -hmm. like with the Asylum episode. Right. Dean is clearly not comfortable with the visions. Mm -hmm. And of course that continues in this episode and the next one where he's really not comfortable with Sam's visions. Well, and I think too that it's interesting that we... We kind of fall back on the whole thing of whenever it's Dean who is getting contacted from people, that Sam kind of gives him the third degree about stuff because it's like, oh, well, who is it? Who called you? Oh, it's a friend. Oh, it's a blah, 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 blah. But what I feel that they were trying to convey is that Sam thought it was Dad who was calling them. So he was just talking to Dean because he knew that if he talked to Sam, that Sam wouldn't go through with it. So whether they intend that or not, that was the feeling that I got from it, was that Sam is thinking, oh, it's Dad, and of course he's calling Dean, and of course Dean's trying to cover for Dad because blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I definitely think that, was, that showed a little bit of that continued strain on the relationship. But once Sam found out that it really was an ex-girlfriend, yeah. then he I... came around. I didn't quite make the dad connection, but I did think that it was a little weird because every time Dean gets a call, he's like, it was so-and-so, like with the, the airplane episode, he was like, we dealt with a poltergeist with him back in whenever. Right. And, and this one, he's just like, it was a person, yeah. a friend, a yeah. person that I knew that was a friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And of course, then we find out that not only is it a person that he knew or a friend that he knew but it's actually somebody that he was in love with i mean in love with to the point that he actually told her what the family business is which blew sam away of course because he's like okay rule number one we do what we do and we lie about it mm -hmm. and you broke that rule and that was something that even sam didn't do sam with jess never told her anything 
to the point whenever he initially said, well, you know, whatever you can, whatever you want to say to me, you can say to her too. And whenever Dean said, well, dad's been on a hunting trip and he hasn't, and he's been gone for a few days, Sam was like, okay, get out. Mm-hmm. So that, I think, coming from the good son, is really telling about the relationship that he had with her. It was the first that we see of the good son rebelling, mm-hmm. which becomes a bit of a theme. There was a couple of firsts, too. This was Dean's first sex scene. And it was Dean's, <laughs> it was Dean's first interaction with a woman where he wasn't trying to be all you know creeper hey baby come you know let's go do this or anything no line yes he was uncomfortable he was the one who was in the vulnerable situation he was the one who was basically at her mercy Mm -hmm. because of how he did feel about her so it was a definite role reversal from what dean's used to that scene where they're arguing and it's just the two of them and she says something about every time we get vulnerable or close you make a joke whatever and I was just like like Dean like you're saying like Dean is in a vulnerable position right now like him being there is vulnerable and she's just like yelling at it I was like you don't even know Anything about the relationship or about the truck or any of that that you guys want to talk about before we take a break here in a few minutes? Obviously, Z has something. <laughs> that opening scene when Martin is driving down the road and the truck comes up behind him and like slams into him was very original Jeepers Creepers. Yeah. And I know that like we've had a, a couple of, of episodes where we've been like, oh, this was like this horror movie and this was like this one. So... That was another one that we uh, that I spotted. Something I saw that just amused me was I noted in the opening sequence he's listening to the radio talk about unseasonably cold weather. It stuck out as something unusual to me, so I was paying attention to it, waiting for unseasonably cold weather to have anything to do with anything. Right. At the end, there's a chase scene, and there's snow on the ground. And so that was it. I think they just put... Well, and whenever the mayor was run over by the truck, there was snow. But it was, it did, I mean, if you hadn't heard that, because I missed that. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, like, okay, winter got here really quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Missouri doesn't get, Missouri's what, just a little north of us? It's north and west. Yeah. There's not going to be a whole lot of snow on the ground that often. Do we even know what month it was? I can't Mm -hmm. remember if if they went into detail about what month it was. Just that it was unseasonably cold. Okay. Uh, my other, I wrote down an important safety tip. When you're the mayor of a town and you're running away from a vehicle, get off the road. You cannot outrun the vehicle on the road. Oh, okay? yes. Get off the road. <laughs> well, and two, there were trees there. He could have run in between the trees. Climbed he... up a tree? <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, he didn't know that it was, like, a ghost truck. I mean, yeah. he didn't know anything about that. Get off the road if you're being chased by a vehicle. Yeah. They don't do so good in mud. Yeah. I liked the Flying Dutchman reference. I thought that was yeah. funny. I do too, and I think it was very obviously relevant yeah. to what it is that they were going through. Alright, we are going to go ahead and take a quick break. Listen guys, if you would just go out real quick onto iTunes or Google Play or wherever you listen to us and give us a rating, a review, and maybe hit that subscribe button, that really helps us out a lot, moves us up in the ratings, help people find us. Maybe talk to a friend about us, maybe you've got a friend who has a crush on Dean and you can tell them about this podcast where all the people also have a crush on Dean, that would be cool. 
You can learn more about us and chat with us on the social medias. You can find us on Instagram at thefamilybusiness underscore spnfancast. Engage with us on Twitter at tfb underscore spnfancast. And then all of our fancasts are on Tumblr at smartcast. Tumblr.com. You can find our sister podcasts on the Gumby Cat Networks, which is a collection of fun podcasts about all kinds of pop culture stuff. There's a D&D podcast on there. There's one about a Westerner's view of Japanese media and culture. And of course, there's Collective Snark, Once More with Feeling, and Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, which are, as previously mentioned, our sister podcasts. So one thing that kind of struck me with this episode was that the ghost truck also appears during the day, mm. not just at night. Mm -hmm. And obviously when it appears during the day, it's whenever the mayor is out going over his plans for the property that he purchased and everything. Have there been other episodes that I've just forgotten about when like the ghost thing was striking during the day out in the open? Bloody Mary struck during the day, but because you could only see her in mirrors if you had called her, I don't know if you'd consider that in the open. Right. So I think other than kind of maybe Bloody Mary, I think that might be it. Yeah, I couldn't really think of any others, and I don't know why that struck me. I just, I thought it was weird that, like, a ghost vehicle was out during the day. It was also the only attack that was, like, different than all the others. Like, all the others right. were black men on this specific stretch of highway at night, and then it was a white man on a property in broad daylight. Right. So... Very, very different. I really liked the effects on the truck. Even though they were basically fade-ins and fades-out, I thought they were very effective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whoever was doing the editing for that did really well. Because, like, especially, too, there was one night scene whenever there was a lot of smoke coming off of the pipes. Mm -hmm. And the smoke faded out with the truck at the same same instance, the same rate, but then there was like the mist in the background that it looked like the smoke almost became the mist and then drifted away. So whoever was doing the visual effects editing on this did an amazing job. I do have a complaint about this episode, and I have the same complaint about the next episode, actually. Not a spoiler. Okay. Which is, they've got, and I mean, because they did so much that was so good in this episode. Like we mentioned, they felt like they really handled the racial tensions really nicely. But basically, they roll around not having a clue what's going on, not knowing anything, and then they sit down and talk to one person, and that one person just dumps it all out. Here it is. Here's the answer to all your problems. And then they go solve it. With everything else that had been done so nicely, I felt like that was a little bit cheating. Well, I... I... Oh, go ahead, Z. I liked it. <laughs> okay. So allow me to continue to agree with Donna and disagree with Z. In that I was okay with Mom giving all of the information because... Obviously, that's where we were going all along. We were going with her being the one who was going to info dump. Sure. My main problem with it came after mom spills her guts, and then all of a sudden we've got a tractor, we know right where we are in the swamp, we pull the truck <laughs> yeah. out, we get the body, we mm -hmm. burn it, the, the ghost truck appears. It was all a little too convenient. Mm -hmm for the reveal. I mean, it was it was kind of Scooby-Doo-esque. I mean, they we went from, oh, hey, let me spill my guts to boom, we're, we're killing the mm -hmm. ghost. So I, I can agree with that. 
I didn't have a problem with the mom's story, which actually, like, I felt like they did really well because all the other times we've had kind of info dumps, it's just been, like, dialogue. It's really intense, and maybe there's a little bit of music in the background. And then this one, she was, like, she was a very good actor. Like, she Mm. was visibly upset, like, distraught, and there was music that I felt like accompanied the way she viewed the story well. Right. But I would I was I was like closely examining Sam and Dean whenever they were pulling the truck out of the swamp. I was like, neither one of you guys went down up in that, that water. Yeah. Like <laughs> neither of y'all are wet. I don't yeah. I don't know. Well and they did it at night too. I mean who who in the hell goes digging around in a swamp Mm-hmm. at night. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're just doing it so you can burn the body. Uh, I'm going to be doing that during the daylight. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Whenever possible. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to talk about Cassie for a minute. And Cassie's mom, yes. by the way. Yes. Um, yes. Cassie was fantastic. Come on. Agreed. God, she's gorgeous. Yes. Speaking of a straight woman, and she's gay man. gorgeous. <laughs> oh, my God. But I really like, you know, she didn't put up with any shit from Dean. Yeah. Not a bit of it. And I liked that. Mm-hmm. I liked when uh, Dean told her to stay in the house and she was like, don't get authoritarian with me. And he was like, please. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I really like Cassie. And then, of course, I mean, we've got to... Cassie's mom didn't appear very strong, but i got to give this woman credit. For one thing, she just lost her husband. Right. And then, if you think back 40 years ago, she was secretly dating a black man. Yeah. That's kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. So, even though we don't see a lot of strength from... I know she's got a name. What's her name? Uh, it, no, I thought it was Alice. It's not. I don't think it ever mentions her name. They always call her Mrs. Robinson. Right, yeah. They call her Mrs. Robinson. So, even though we don't really see her strength, she obviously was a remarkable young woman. Yes. And she raised Cassie, so I'm going to say she was a remarkable mom. Mm. So even though my female characters were not particularly active in this episode, I felt like they were really good and strong characters. Well, and Cassie, too, I mean, from the the standpoint of a reporter, I mean, she was standing up to the mayor. She was trying to get the real story. She was trying to make sure that, you know, the community was getting the real story. In her relationship with Dean, I mean, she was very much her own person. She wasn't allowing him to dictate where things were going or how they were going to go. I definitely think that that she was a strong character because of that. Oh, and even at the very end when they were saying their goodbyes, and Dean was like, well, this doesn't have to be goodbye. She was like, it's goodbye. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, again, something of a role reversal for the way Dean is normally interacting with. Mm. Yeah. Attractive women. Yeah. And two, it was kind of a, the ending was kind of a throwback to Hookman whenever Sam was talking to the girl there that he had kind of fallen for. And whenever he got in the car, Dean told him, we could stay. And I kind of was waiting for that moment from Sam of saying, well, we could stay. But I think that they had already kind of gone through that conversation a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. And I think that Dean knew where things were going to go and how it was going to end. Right, so. right. Incidentally, when Cassie's mom first appeared, I thought she was the woman who played Judy King on Orange is the New Black. Oh. It's not, but it required an in-depth IMDb search <laughs> to confirm that. One of the things that I thought was interesting, and I think this helped to show how things had changed in in regard to the race relations, was whenever Mrs. Robinson was saying what her husband Martin had done, how he had gotten the bat from Cyrus Dorian Mm -hmm. and just basically went off, ended up killing him, got his friends, the whole nine yards, 
And Dean said, well, why didn't he call the police? And I think it's that somewhat modern-day naivete mm -hmm. with younger people in that they don't realize how bad things used to be. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, they're not as great as they could be <laughs> by a stretch, but for the most part, it's not as bad as it used to be. Yeah. Obviously, there's still concerns. Obviously, there's still mm -hmm. a whole lot of injustice and, and everything. I would like to think that nowadays, I mean, especially in a smaller, closer-knit community where people know each other, that that would change. Although, being from Oklahoma, I kind of know a little bit different, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, essentially, a, a black man beat a white man to death with a baseball bat. Yeah. And uh, that was not going to go over. Yeah. No. There was going to be no self-defense there. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, even though Cyrus Dorian had already killed like a church full of kids, had murdered all of these different people, of course, which, you know, in the eyes of the law, well, they were black, so they weren't people, but, ugh. So it was, it was definitely a, an interesting little view into mm -hmm. how things had changed, so... Are you looking at my notes? No, I'm looking at your timer. <laughs> <laughs> so I take it from that that you guys really don't have much more to say about this I, episode? I, I actually have that. just a couple of little comments. I thought it was really interesting when Mrs. Robinson commented that Cyrus died 40 years ago. They mm. jumped on that. Yeah. Which, I mean, yes, that was the opening they needed. But the truth is that if somebody's been missing for 40 years, it's a pretty safe assumption that they're dead. But the thing is, too, is that I think how they were tying it together, I, and, and given what I do for a living, if I knew that somebody was missing and somebody said, oh, yeah, they're dead, I would jump on that, too. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I can see okay. why they went on to it, especially since they had just looked at that newspaper clipping that said he went missing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I felt it was kind of realistic, but okay. I can see why mm -hmm. you would have that issue. I wanted to point out, because I mentioned it a little bit before the episode, and it wasn't too spoilery. I don't even remember what you said, so. <laughs> Rude. I know, right? <laughs> okay, yeah, go ahead. As long as there's not too big of a spoiler. Okay, so, I and it might have gotten cut, because I know I spoiled some things. Oh, we, for the, the I, Haley, know, I know what The it was Wendigo here. episode. Yeah. One of the characters that, that they interact with is a female named Haley, who is very strong, and she's very capable, and she, right. like... It's kind of badass, and Dean flirts with her, and they never really, like, you don't see them go on a date or whatever afterwards, and, and I think a lot of people kind of assumed that they didn't, and I know I assumed that they didn't, because I, I figured that if Dean had slept with Haley, it could have gone further, right. and I think Cassie just kind of proved my point, which he she Cassie was very much like Haley, very capable and strong and independent. And Dean did sleep with her, and he revealed like this big, huge secret. Right. And the other was the thought I amused myself because, of course, what got Cyrus's ghost all riled up was the mayor bought the property and bulldozed the house. And right. I had this thought: well, if he knew that, because he did, he did know that Cyrus was buried in the swamp there. Why would he? Bulled up, and then I was like, "Oh, because he doesn't know about ghosts." Right. But here's the thing: <laughs> did he, he knew he knew that Martin had killed Cyrus, 
But did he know that they had pushed the body into the swamp in the truck? That's, That's true. It's not clear exactly how much he knew. Right. Yeah, the, the mom made it, it... I guess she kind of implied that he eventually learned what exactly had happened. Right. I assumed that he bought the property when it went up for sale, so nobody else would buy the property and dredge the swamp or something for some reason. That's possible, too. And find the body. And then it would have been, you know, you were working on this case. How did you not know? Right. I also, I looked up Cape Girardeau, I think, Gerardo. Gerardo. Yeah, is in Missouri. This is where it takes place. Mm -hmm. um, I looked up to see if there were any church fires in the 60s, and there have been several church fires over the years. Yeah, imagine that. But none in the 60s. Okay. Oh, so. Interesting. Black churches? It didn't say. All right. Well, anything else that we feel the need to go over before we call it a day? Just when the truck first came to scare Cassie, she took an awful long time to call her Ghostbuster boyfriend. Mm-hmm. When she, dating yeah, a Ghostbuster, okay. call him. Yeah, she walked through that hallway like four or five times to close windows. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, guys, I think that we have discussed all we can for this week. So I invite you to come back next week whenever we will be discussing episode 14 entitled Nightmare. So until then, carry on, jerk bitch. Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people. Meow. Meow.